0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 90 called A Prayer of Moses.
1: Moses did write two other songs in the Bible, Exodus 15, right after the uh, Israelites passed through the Red Sea and God drowned the Egyptian army. And Moses wrote a song about the Lord as a warrior. The Lord is his name. And then if you're interested, there's another song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. And uh, those are two other places where we know he penned uh, some Psalms. We know that Moses is responsible for the first five books of our Bible, So you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy called the Pentateuch, the first five books accredited to Moses. Mosaic authorship is what we have. And you'll notice at the top of Psalm 90, it says a prayer of Moses. And you'll notice it says book four uh, in many of your Bibles because there are separations. And we, we did this when we did an introduction into the Psalms. They're actually separated in various books. And this is a transition from one book to another within the book of Psalms. So just a little bit about the heading. If you're new to us, I typically preach from the New American Standard Bible. So if you're wondering what version I use, that's what I use. So if you have an option, if you open up a device, I'm using the New American Standard uh, translation. And uh, I wanted to just pay, pay a little bit of attention to the heading of the psalm as we've been doing just for a moment. I want you to see it's a prayer of Moses. It interests me to know how Moses prayed. There's a verse within the Pentateuch that says, Moses was the most humble man who was on the earth. So Moses was a humble man. I want to know how Moses prayed. I want to know how how a man that became this kind of leader prayed. How did he pray? What was his prayer life like? What was the content? And notice he is called The man of God. Now, with that thought in mind, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I want to just show you Paul is writing to young Timothy. He's a protege, an up and coming pastor in need of encouragement. It would seem that Timothy had some timidity issues, and maybe the timidity caused stomach problems. And I want to remind you that the heroes of our Bible, even those who are prominent in Old and New Testament, were still human. Had stomach issues, maybe had insomnia, maybe had bouts of depression and that kind of thing. They were not perfect, as you know. So you qualify, by the way, with all of your uh, idiosyncrasies and whatever your latest excuse is. Would you pray with me, Father? (laughs) With that in mind, thank you so much for your word. We want to be people who are ready to hear from you, and I just pray that you would speak. I know you're going to speak because this is your word. Help me get out of your way and just let us have ears to hear what your spirit would say to your people at this present hour for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, and he says, But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue. A man or a woman of God flees certain things. And pursues certain things. I'm here because Moses is called the man of God. What does it mean to be a man of God? What does it mean to be a woman of God? Well, you flee certain things. And those certain things are listed, for example, in verse nine, wanting to get rich, falling into various temptations and snares, foolish and harmful desires that plunge men for sympathy six, nine into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money, if money becomes your God, is a root of all sorts of evil. Money is just a means of exchange. But if you love money more than you love God, then money is your God. And Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon or money. So 1 Timothy 6 makes it clear that there's things to avoid. And in fact, he says some people, some who were apparently professing believers, who, who were longing after this kind of God, with a small g, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs or griefs, or many a pang. But flee from these things, you man of God, or woman of God, and pursue, rather, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, love, Perseverance and gentleness. Now, that's not an exhaustive list, but those are things to pursue. If you were wondering, what do I pursue as a Christian? Well, here it is righteousness, godliness, which means godlikeness, to be more like Jesus, faith, love, perseverance, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Amen. I put in my notes. Timothy was not to be a man of greed, but rather a man of God. Greediness is focused on you, self, on me. Godliness is focused on God. Greediness, whatever form it takes, and there's such a thing as sexual greed. There's there's greed for, you know, satisfaction, the latest sensation that I got to get for me right now. And then there's godliness. And godliness is the opposite of greediness. When you serve God, you put others and God before yourself. Moses was the man of God. How would your friends describe you? He's a man of fill in the blank. He's a man of business. He's a sportsman. She can shop till you drop. <laughs> whatever. I always struggle with, I don't know what I should say, ladies, but sorry. Anyway. All of the Old Testament uses of this phrase, man of God, of whom only Timothy is called this in the New Testament, though there were others, represent individuals, listen, who represented God by proclaiming his word. What made a man of God was the message that he or she proclaimed consistently, and not just in proclamation, but in life. Amen? So would someone describe you or me as that person is a man of God? I know he's imperfect. I know she falls short, but they love the Lord. They serve the Lord. All Scripture, if you turn back to Psalm 90, is inspired by God. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17 for your notes. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Are you a man of God? Are you a woman of God? Well, you can get there and you know what? It doesn't happen overnight, but it is about your priorities. It is about what you're pursuing. It is about ultimately who you serve and what defines you. What first defines a man is who or what he belongs to. That's what defines you, what drives you. At the end of the day, when you look back and say, this is what I did and this is what I didn't do today. I did what I did because this is who I am. I didn't do certain things because this is who I am. That's when your faith is actually coming into action. That's when you're actually putting feet to your faith. And I hope that's what we all want, to be a man or a woman of God. Psalm 90 opens, Lord, that's not the uh, YHWH, that's not the uh, name of God there, Yahweh, as we would say it, but that's Adonai. That's the alternative that the Jews used because they felt that the name of God was too holy to speak. So sometimes they would call simply, they would call God the name. And that's the Hebrew word Shem, Shem, S-H-E-M. They would just simply say the name. Or they would call him Lord because they didn't want to say Yahweh. I've pointed out several times in these studies that whenever you see all caps for Lord, that's Y-H-W-H in our English. Whenever you see Lord in lowercase, that's Adonai. Or there's a shortened form called Adon. Adonai is A-D-O-N-A-Y. And Adon is A-D-O-N. So get this, in the uh, Hebrew picture language, what Moses would have written at the beginning, symbols, Adonai or Adon is simply defined as whoever you make the first judge. Adonai, Adonai is the first judge. Whoever you make your first judge is your Lord. Let me explain. If you say Jesus is my Lord, then you pass by him and his word, things that you are measuring, directions you are going to move, who you are going to date and get serious with, moral beauty as it's defined, your worldview, etc. If Jesus is your Lord, then he's the first judge. Everybody with me? You run it by him first. Not 10th on the list. Oh, I wonder what the Lord would think about this. I've asked everybody else. Or, you know what? All my other plans have failed. Gulp, maybe I'll pray as a last-ditch effort. No? If Jesus is your Adonai, you run it by him first. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Luke 6:46. So I like the opening. Moses is called the man of God, a man or a woman of God defined by who they serve, who they belong to. Lord, thou has been our dwelling place in all generations. Now Psalm 90 is a lament psalm, but it's also a wisdom psalm. And it's going to end with some promising news, but it's a bit of a bummer in the middle. Okay. Just so you know. So you can fasten your seatbelt a little bit. Because the drive of the psalm is rooted in the wilderness wanderings of Israel and what Moses experienced as the leader of Israel coming out of Egypt and wandering in the desert for 40 years. And as the VeggieTales song puts it, we didn't have a lot of fun in the desert. And you know why? There's one reason that they wandered and wandered and wandered and that whole generation Save Joshua and Caleb, that first generation that came out 20 and above, died. 1 Corinthians 10 says they were laid low in the wilderness. You know what the single reason was? Yell it out if you know. It was unbelief. They simply wouldn't
0: believe God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here. And on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. It makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call
0: 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk Truth Show. Now, Back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. We didn't
1: have a lot of fun in the desert.
0: And you know why? There's
1: one reason that they wandered and wandered and wandered, and that whole generation, save Joshua and Caleb, that first generation that came out 20 and above, died. 1 Corinthians 10 says they were laid low in the wilderness. You know what the single reason was? Yell it out if you know It was unbelief. They simply wouldn't believe God. They wouldn't believe in him. And we often hear people say, if I would have saw all the miracles, the plagues that happened in Egypt and the pillar, you know, the fire cloud and the pillar by day and the fire cloud by night, I certainly, and the blast of God's nostril opening up the Red Sea and drowning the Egyptian army, oh, I would have followed. Would you? There's only two men that followed the Lord fully, Joshua and Caleb. And I heard something said earlier that really resonated with me. Do you want to be like everybody else? You want to be like just all the other nominal Christians? Is that who you want to be? Their pack is a great number. And you can join it if you want to. Or do you want to be a man or a woman of God? Now, here's where it starts. Uh, It starts with this idea, NIV, Lord, verse one, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. The Lord is our dwelling place. And this idea of a dwelling place is a refuge. It's a place of protection, sustenance, and stability. The Lord is our dwelling place. The Lord is our home. Think about this. The setting of Psalm 90 is the wilderness wanderings, and what they didn't have is permanent homes. They had to set up tents everywhere. They always were moving. They would set up camp, and they would move. Set up camp, and they would move. Wander, wander, circle, circle, wander. And life was very temporal. And Moses experienced that as a sojourner, if you will. But he said, Lord, you are our home. You are our dwelling place in all generations. The idea of a dwelling place is somewhere where you set up shop. It's somewhere where you abide In John 15, Jesus gave a whole message on abiding, which means to remain close to the Lord. If you look at the very next Psalm and the very first verse, you'll see this idea. He who dwells, if you make a decision to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, and Moses may have written this Psalm too, we don't know, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. If you go all the way down to verse nine, it says, for you have made the Lord my refuge even the Most High, your dwelling place. You have to decide to abide. You have to decide to make the Lord your refuge, your dwelling place. Amen? Amen. Someone else is preaching. That's okay. (laughs) How do you do that? How do you decide to make the Lord your dwelling place? Well, you got to make a move. You got to decide what is home to you where you want to shelter, where you want to remain anchored. And it's a decision we make, spiritually speaking, we've got to abide. And this is not about a location as much as it is about a person. So if I'm going to abide in the shelter of the Most High, I have to stay close. It's okay. (laughs) I have to stay close to Him. We were talking in the prayer meeting earlier about heaven and what will all be ahead for us. You know, the, there's talk about the millennial reign and there's all millennialism and pre-millennialism, post-millennialism and all these millennialisms. But in the end, heaven is where God is. And Jesus said, stay close to me. I love the little the picture of the little sheep staying close to the shepherd And there's some wolves off in the distance and they're like, and that little sheep is just snuggled up against the Lord and smiling. Yep. (laughs) I'm staying close to my shepherd. And so there was impermanence in the wilderness, but God is a dwelling place. He's where you can find your safety as you sojourn through this world. And this world is a rough place at times. Uh, You know, it there's there's things that seem permanent and then they are not permanent and they seem dependable and then maybe they're not dependable. But you are our dwelling place. Why don't we all start here? Why don't we decide that we're gonna abide? Let's start in the eternal. Let's start with things that we can trust and know and then we can move out from there. Moses said in Deuteronomy 33, 26, 27, the eternal God is a dwelling place and underneath us are the everlasting arms. He drove out the enemy from before you and said, destroy. The eternal God, Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-seven, is a dwelling place and underneath us are his everlasting arms. Isn't that good? He can hold you up. He will be your shelter. He will be your strength. You don't have to fight this battle alone. And that's when we get exalted, exhausted. And, um, you know, I think we, we get really weary when we try to do it on our own. You must walk in to, a, to the dwelling and stay. <laughs> walk in and stay. You know, sometimes when people have been away from church for a long time, I've had a lot of conversations with people over the years and they say, oh man, I haven't been to church for a long, long time. 19. uh, I just don't know how to get back. I usually say, it's only one step, brother, sister. Just walk back in the door. But lightning may strike if I walk in the door. Well, just text us right before you come and we'll all back off. And, you know, if it happens, then Moses defines who God is by saying in verse two, before the mountains were born, because we might be saying, well, how, how do I know I can trust God? Or maybe something like this. How do I know that God will be there to be my safety net? Well, Moses says, before the mountains were born, mountains had a beginning, or thou didst give birth to the earth, God's the creator, and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. Everlasting. Thou art God. Isn't that awesome? God is eternal. He has always been there, and He ain't going anywhere. Amen? And Jesus Christ is described as eternal in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John one fourteen. And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. The glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And I picture John the Apostle just leaning on his chest, having a sense of who he was. Man, I'd want to spend a lot of time. I'd have so many questions, right?
0: You've been listening to a prayer of Moses part one on walk in truth. That's pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 90. Remember if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to walk in truth on the living truth app or wherever you get your podcasts and please follow walk in truth on social media. Walk in truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us at walk in truth show. Now here's pastor Michael. Okay. You may have a question. How do we know that God is everlasting or eternal? I know
1: Psalm 90 says it. I know there's other places in the Bible that say it, but how, how would I know that? What's the evidence for that? And I think one thing to think about is you have a creation, and by virtue of that creation, it begs for a creator. Here's an example, a little stealing from Ray Comfort. If you have a painting, you have a painter. If you have a building, you have a builder. If you have a creation as complex as this is, you know, none of us believe that buildings just popped up over millions of years and all fall together with doors and handles and paint and, you know, design and all of that. We don't believe that about a painting. We don't really believe that about anything that shows evidence of design. So why would we believe that about the majestic design of the creation itself? It cries out that there's a creator. And this is exactly what Psalm 19 says which is really something that we touch on many times as we're going through the Word of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The physical creation makes man, Romans one twenty inexcusable just by what's been made. We know that there's a God and there's much more. There's an internal evidence in our conscience. There's um, the Imago day. There's the Word of God. There's the appearance of Christ. There's much that we can talk about And those kinds of questions, I think you can find satisfying answers for those. If you are interested in pursuing those kinds of questions, there's really, uh, I would say, no less than exhilarating answers. And you might look, for example, at Lee Strobel's book, The Case for the Creator, would be one example. But there's many, many good books that you can read on this topic. Well, hey, I'd like to invite you to church this coming Sunday. Uh, Living Truth Christian Fellowship is where I serve as senior pastor. We have gone to one single 10 a.m. service. It's been so exciting to have the body of Christ together. We've had so much enthusiasm, so much passion and worship. I'll tell you, it's been amazing. And we're going through the majestic book of Exodus. Incredible. The God of wonders, the God of miracles, the God that calls, the God that equips. We're at 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. So if you're anywhere within driving distance, we would love for you to come. Now, you can download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars, download it for free, and come on out. And I would love to meet you. I'd love to have you experience some worship and fellowship here. It'll be a great day. God bless you, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: And just one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your financial gift helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and to help you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Please consider becoming a monthly partner too. $5 a month is greatly needed. Please visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. Or you can write a check and mail your gift to Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And join us on Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 90 called A Prayer of Moses. Hey, have a great weekend. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.